Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Not many left now, Box, for the podcast for this season. We're getting to the pointy end of the the year and we are now into the preliminary finals with two absolute cracker games again on the weekend in this final series. Two wins by field goal. Yeah, two one-point games. So it was an entertaining uh, weekend of footy Yeah, and three shows to go. So uh, pointy end. Yep, we've got uh, grand final preview, review, and then our end of season awards and uh, review show that we obviously do as a combination so definitely getting to the business end but kicking off mate our set of six as we always do number one Penrith Uh, their season obviously it has now come to a conclusion but pass or fail uh, in your eyes and I think the other thing is next year to me and I don't know about you is win or bust for me Uh, these excuses about we're still building and we're young and we don't have these experienced players and all the spin that's kind of been put around this year and sacking the coach and getting another coach. Uh, I'm happy to say that this year, given the circumstances that they created, in my own opinion themselves, is a pass mark. I don't even think that's opinion. That, but, that, they did create that situation for they themselves. Did. So first, first and foremostly, they hired Griffin. They yep. fired Cleary. They then decided to sack Griffin when they did. They're now trying to get Cleary back. Yep. They're all actions that were well within their control. Yep. So for me, it was a fail. I, I, well, from, from where I predicted them to finish, it's a pass because I had them outside the eight. I thought that their season was going to get off the rails a lot earlier than what it did. It got off the rails eventually, but for them to smash the Dragons at home, I think it was 28-2 before Origin, lead the competition and then fall away how they did, it's a fail. And they're finishing the same spot the last three years. So I think if you're not getting better, just because you're not going backwards doesn't mean that you are moving forward. In, in some aspects, you know, like they, they added James Maloney. Um, they got rid of Matt Moylan. So for me, that improved their squad. They got rid of Bryce Cartwright, who I thought was dead wood. Uh, so I think they moved on two players, got a better player in Maloney. Um, and the excuses running out of Penrith out of the game, the biggest player of the game was Val Holmes' short kickoff. And, you know, Gus, I listened to Gus's podcast this afternoon. He was saying that it was a hero play by Valentine Holmes. Plain and fucking simple, a Penrith player should have been standing on the 40 and got that kick. Yeah, and it's I, a fucking controllable thing. I heard him also going on about, you know, they were well in control, this and that, and the start, and our possession went against us, and things went against You fucking did it to yourself. Yeah, well, they did it they've to done themselves. it all year. So to sit there and kind of play and this it off. is the thing, like you're defending, the, you're defending the side now, but they were doing the same thing under Griffin, yeah. and you were bagging them out, and that's why you wanted to make a change. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit sick of hearing about the shit coming out of Penrith. Yeah. Um, I've got to be honest because it's just a new narrative every day. Um, they need to just shut up 
they need to appoint a coach. As far as what he said on the podcast is, is that it's going to be Serraldo. So Serraldo is going to continue in the role. Obviously, behind the scenes, they're trying to get Ivan Cleary. Yeah. Whether they whether that happens or not, you know, remains to be seen. I I, I couldn't see it happening. I I said it was a hundred to one that he'd go there next year. Um. You know, if he then signs in 2021, what are you doing well, if you're the West Tigers? The Tigers you're saying, well, piss off then, go now. The Tigers, though, still hold weight frustratingly in that situation. Well, it's like, it, that's like saying that uh, the Titans hold weight in the Tyrone Peachy thing, doesn't it? Like, you sort of, they, well, they do, but you, you're going to just keep someone there who doesn't want to be there. I get that, but you need something in return. So if Penrith are going to, in my opinion, but play... What they get in return? In my opinion, play dirty and do that, and Ivan Cleary, again, I said it from the start, I have a lot of respect for the bloke, but if he was willing to do that right now, that's, to me, a pretty big middle finger to the Tigers to say that I'm just kind of warming the seat here for another year or two. I'm just ringing Pender straight away if I'm the Tigers, and I'm going back to what I originally said. If the contract's got another couple of years to run, it's worth eight hundred or so thousand dollars like they're speaking of and all these bits and pieces, I want cash and I want players. And I don't care how it's got to happen. If you've got to go tell players that are, you know, in the next 12 months, 18 months on this depth chart that they've got, that aren't going to be re-signed, you tell them right now that they're on the outer, the Tigers are interested, and we want money. Uh, it's not a good thing for the Tigers side of things, and I'm sure it hurts that playing group. But, um, the but best- also, what about all the players that have been recruited for I know next that. year? I know that. And all the year after, who signed knowing that Ivan Cleary is going to be the coach, and then now he's going to jack up and leave. I get that. But if they're in a situation like that as the Tigers, like you said, you don't want him there, so you need to get something for it. Well, but- I, I, for me, if I'm the West Tigers, I'd say you're staying. You're staying for the length of your contract. I think he's got two more years to run so after this even year. Even though you know yes, he's heading to a dead end. If he's a professional, then he should just be able to coach the side for the next two years. What I would then do is put all the roster management onto the rugby league manager. I think it's Kelly Egan. He has to, he'd have to do all of that. Take all of that out of Ivan's hands. Take development out of Ivan's hands. Leave the coaching of the NRL side down to Ivan Cleary. Everything else... You outsource to other people within your organisation. That is how I would handle it. Fair enough. I, I'm with you on the sense that I well, think... Well, who coaches the West Tigers if it's not Ivan Cleary? Well, I've said the name before and I don't know if Michael people McGuire. would agree. Michael Maguire for yeah, me is yeah, the if best I could coach. get him, then it's a different And that's story. what I'm getting at. And I'm, I'm looking at these young kids and again, like clubs will go, oh, he doesn't want to come. It's a situation where people go, oh, they can't make them. They can't. But if Penrith are motivated to get him across the line... The Tigers will tell them right now. If there's someone they're interested in, the NRL squad 20s or whatever, what's their status? You let them know that they're not getting contract or try and get something online and we want cash. You know what I'd be doing? If I'm the West Tigers, I'd be ringing Justin Holbrook and I'd be offering him the job. Well, he was there previously as an assistant. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did a year of 20s there. If you want to get a brand new coach, he's probably the best one I think out he's there. the best up-and-coming coach. I still think, and I know, game. again, I don't know if you agree with me, and everyone's probably sick of me saying it that many times. I think Demetrio's still got a bit lost up there in Brisbane. I wouldn't get him back. I, um, I think he's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Holbrook, what he's done with St. Helens has been very impressive. He's done his apprenticeship. Give him a crack. Yeah. I go back to the sentiments we originally had, I guess, in this situation. It's a pass for me, but I don't buy the excuse anymore, and that was the main point I get out of this. And for any Panther fans out there, to you should be frustrated as well. I'm not buying the cop-out anymore that we're building and these kids are young, and we need a Maloney, and we need these veterans. Well, you got that. you got an upgrade at six. You've got all these superstar kids. All of them have played more than 50 games, etc. now. You've got better depth in key positions than just about anyone else in the comp. You lost a fullback. You replaced him with a better one. You lost a nine. You got another gun young number nine. Your halves play at origin. You got a couple of forwards play at origin. Like, there's no more excuses. We're not building. We're yeah, not turning I, it over. At said, some point... I'm sick of talking you, about it. I know, but at some point, you have to fucking pull the trigger. And I'm sick of the excuses that have been twisted on that side of things by Gus. I respect him as a rugby league mind. 
the GM and all the bits and pieces that he does, but they can't twist this novel anymore. That Look, they're, there's they're a not spider's ready. web that's engulfing Phil Gould, and a lot of it he's entangled himself yeah. in. So. You know, I, I got no doubt he can get himself out of it. Yeah, but, but look, I, I look at the place now and I look at the place before Anthony Griffin got there and it's poles apart. Plain and simple though, apart. would you agree with me? There's no more excuses. To me, I don't think there was excuses. I don't think there was excuses when Griffin took over the job. He, his, his whole he argument might. on 360 was, well, you know, they won, they almost won the wooden spoon the year before. That's because they used 40 players. Yeah, it's not rocket science. They made a preliminary final the year before. In a game that they could have easily won against the Bulldogs, yep. and I, I think they would have give, put up a better fight against South in that grand final than what Canterbury would have. But you know that's that's now uh, fish and chip paper. But for me, I, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. I'm sick of talking. No, about no. It. The key stuff up for me still goes back to originally sacking Ivan Cleary. We said it 150 times. It was Ivan. Yeah. And again, to whinge about the veteran, or oh, you bought James Tarmow. Now he's trying to get him back. So yeah, and you've. Bought Tarmour and Merrin as these big guns who are no longer rep players. So they've, I think they've failed on that part. They failed on a couple of key signings. They put pressure on in Moylan and Cartwright for their personalities. And to be fair, they need to play better. They do. Wonga Blake needs to play better. Regan Campbell-Gillard needs to play better. They need to play smarter. They should have had someone on the 40. That goes back to simple game management. Yeah. And, you know, there's a famous line, that the, the secret in all victory is um, held within the, the non-obvious. And the not obvious are just those little things um, that happen within a game that are within your control, like standing on the 40. He was a metre meter behind the 40. That's yep. not a big deal. 99 times out of 100 doesn't cost you. But when someone rolls a short kick, you're not standing there. And I know that when Ivan Cleary was there, um, that that was a big thing. You mark the perimeters of the field. You mark your 40. You mark all those little things. You know I'm big on it as a coach. Yep. You know, at the start of the year, we saw all those kickoff fuck-ups. Yeah. Kicks going out, them. kicks going out because people weren't marking the perimeter of the field. So, for me, for your season to be to be uh, come down to that play, it was huge play by Holmes. Yeah, but ballsy, very ballsy. If Penrith got the footy, then I think they win the game. Yeah. So, well, like yeah. I said, twenty nineteen. Like I said, there's no excuse for me. It's win or bust, and time's ticking on keeping. Well, the who's coming in? Who's going out? They're losing Peachy. Who's coming in? Oh. Not anyone I can really think of, but you've sure. Well, I don't up. think they've. I don't think they've got a roster there that can win the comp. I don't think they've got a nine there that can win the comp. Well, that's what I mean, though. But they've keep talking like we're built. You're not. I'm not sure they're one. Like if Dylan Edwards comes back and plays good footy like he was at the start of the year, I think he'll be in a better position than Dallin. Like Dallin was okay there, but fairly inconsistent. I think the difference between his best and worst performances is too far apart. I just think I don't know. I, I the one part is what you said before, though. Generally, to me, is getting smarter all around. There's enough talent. There's enough depth. There needs to be a little bit of development there. But if you've got Origin Halves, one of the better forward packs, I think their biggest issue is themselves. Their starts all year yeah, were poor. Look, they're saying all the right things about Cameron Serrato, but the proof in Serrato's pudding will be what he can do over a preseason. Because, to be fair, what he's done in this semi-final series has been good. But in the end, he, he hasn't done a lot. He hasn't had a lot of time to coach that side. What side runs out for Penrith in round one next year will be the one that we judge Cameron Serrato on. If Ivan if, if, if he man. keeps the gig, yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's too many questions. Penrith's just a basket case at the moment. It leaks like a sieve, mm. and there's no stability there. And I think the other thing for them, even as a board, I'd be telling Gus. Well, Gus, even Gus on has his... said on that, oh, I don't have anything to do with the coach. Well, again, even well, on, you're the GM. on the TV, though, if you're the board, I'd bring him in and tell him to shut up because every week he's the one who drives the narrative. Throwing petrol on the fire, yeah. Just don't constantly. talk about it. So I've always, I've always thought it was always going to be difficult to stay away from controversy 
and to manage both jobs. I think he's done a fantastic job of it. First few years, I think but he did. I, I just the last think, 18 months or so, different, yeah. completely different. It's reeled out of control. You know, and he holds a lot of power within the game. We know that. But, yeah, I just think it's it's a bloody difficult position for him to be in and a difficult position for the club to be in, especially when he's a talking head on TV. Yep. No so it's his job to have an opinion. Tackle two, uh, St. George, very gallant to me, especially in this finals run. But that Ben Hunt, I guess, moment of madness now, their season in a similar thing, pass or fail. I've heard people say that that's a fail because they led for most of the year. I completely it's disagree. A, a lot of people didn't have them in the finals. I had them just creep in. I didn't think they'd reach the heights that they did. They obviously struggled after the origin period. I said it before, they don't trust their bench. At the back end of the year, he had to, and they... Showed him that Brisbane game, they were willing to do a bit more. I think my bigger issue with them, again, moving forward, is next year the only real in and out is Armour for Corbin Sims. And I think he's missed a vital opportunity to develop those bench players. Mm. The key for St. George um, Illawarra is going to be the development of their spine. They need to keep Widop fit. So whatever surgery he needs, um, he needs to get that sorted. He needs to stay on the field. Hunt's form can't go up and down. McInnes' form can't go up and down. And Dufty... He faded heavily at the back end of the year. And for me, he doesn't have enough ball playing in him at the moment at fullback. I think he's a run fullback. He's very good on kick return if there's space. He's very good one-on-one on the back of a sweep line. But he doesn't have a lot of a lot of ability in terms of manipulating and breaking down a defensive line. No, so he's better in open space and second forwards are there. They did a fantastic job to even compete with South on the weekend. It's a game they should have won. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know whether to credit South for that. I guess the proof is going to be in the pudding in how South turned out against the Roosters on the weekend. I do think that there was a huge impact from uh, the, the Melbourne-South game, that they looked very flat, and we questioned that last week and said, would you rather be a top-four side that lost or a bottom-four side that won? I think there was a little bit of evidence in both games in how South started yeah, um, and how Cronulla finished the game, in how much it took out of them the week before. So... Yeah, it's a pass for me. I had the Dragons making the... I don't know whether I had them in the top four. I definitely had them oh, in the top eight. I think I, 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 fifth. I had them eighth. I think I had them just scraping. So they finished around about where I predicted. But once the season started, I think from where they were to where they ended up is a fail. And I, yeah. I put St. George and Penrith in the same boat. And not 100% footy the other night. Gus said, you know, Penrith's a pass. And we got back to where we got to and yada, yada, yada. And then the next breath saying, oh, St. George, you know, they really faded away. And I see their season as a failure. Going, well, they're the same as Penrith. They were both leading the comp at, at the halfway. Again, I question again on the flip side. They don't have the depth or whatever, no, but no. big, big off-season. I think there's been some good signs there. Uh, you know, Pereira coming in late in the year, I thought he was pretty good in yardage. They've got Lomax there, so they've got a replacement for Nightingale. Yeah, I, I see more upside in St. George Illawarra than what I do in Penrith in terms of their roster. Blake Laurie finally got a couple of stints the last few weeks. Looked good. Should have got more minutes earlier. It's a big off-season to get more out of that bench. Yeah. So that's probably the big key for them. It's but just their key players are going to get better, and yep. they're going to get their, their injuries And the forward healthy. pack yeah. back healthy and get manage healthy. the origin period better if they're all there next year. Yeah. Uh, tackle three, the Sam Burgess issue. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's been absolutely flogged to death, and I know there's going to be fan questions later on. But what Has the there pl- been a result? Well, that's the thing. The plain and simple thing at the end of the day for everyone beating the drum and saying he's done this, that, and the other, there's been no result yet. No. And as much as I bring probably my own opinion to it at the start, I'm thinking, well... But do we know all the facts? The big issue, if it is him and... He's flopped out, whatever, on social media with some random bird from overseas. Is that she's come to light with this information uh, at this point in time, and now they're saying they're struggling to get in contact or get in touch and get the rest of the details to find out what the deal is. So, 
Well, they're bagging her out. They're, they're making her out to be... I'm not saying she's in the wrong, but... It's like, well, she sent this in May, didn't she? Yeah. So you've had all and this fucking time to sort it. Why is it taking so long So to why get are you out? chasing her now? Like yeah. she could have, I'm sure she would have been happy to come forward with the multiple emails she sent to mm. make her complaint. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know all the details. Look, there's there's rumours out there that it was Sam Burgess's phone and someone else was using it. Mm. There's rumours out there that there was a, there's a long relationship there with this woman between Sam and there was... Other so I don't know. No, it's, to me, it's the I, fucking soap opera of rugby league. I don't care. Like it's the main thing. I, the, the person I feel the most sorry for is Burgess's wife. wife, who is who's fucking heavily pregnant with their second baby. And the other thing about it at the moment, and this is the big thing I probably wanted to bring up for all the questions in innuendo that no one knows and no one can speak about. At the end of the day, only he knows the truth. Only they know the truth. So until yeah, well, I'd imagine that the people within the South organisation know. know the truth. He so, would have said, "Look, this is what happened." This whether it was happen. him, another player, something else is fine. I don't know, but for everyone who's been putting stuff up about that or complaining about the suspension and comparing it to Pierce, this, that, and the other, until there's a final resolution. But still, I don't like what goes through their head. Like I've yeah, never I'll, sent a photo of my dick to any woman. No, you are like, stupid to put anything f- out into the social media or the internet. I don't understand the web it. because once it's on the web, it's it's out there. So no, I again, I just I scratch my head. I'm I honestly to bring scratch up my head. And I, go, you know, like what goes through your mind to think hmm, this is a good idea? I yeah. might do that. I might send a photo of my dick to a, a female who I rip my barely know. Like, come on. On the flip side of that, I was going to say in another week of you know this so-called drama or another issue getting dragged up in the game, I thought the two games and and just all the football I saw over the weekend again just saves saves face again given something that's just been dragged through the media or another negative headline. Yeah. The football saves the day. Two cracker one-point games. I did a New South Wales Cup game on the weekend where a young, basically under-20 side of the Sharks who are now playing in the Jets team, rolled a Penrith team that has won 14 games in a row. Mm. It was nearly a first-grade side. The Bulldogs came into the finals, got some players back. They're now going into the grand final. They well, we a- said that. We, the smart money would have been on the dogs, I think, yeah. heading well, the ice. But but just, they, the quality the of the games all weekend, though. That was a two-point yeah. game. The two 20s games were two-point games. Penrith scored with 20 seconds left to roll Newcastle. Sharks 20s, they're in both lower-grade grand finals. Rolled Canberra's lower-grade side for, you know, Mounties, two yeah. points. And then in Queensland Cup, you've got the East Tigers, who's Melbourne's feeder, who came in at six, which is usually the death sentence, played every week. They won again. They knocked off Burley, who was second. Yep. So they've got the last team to creep into the finals. Just had to play every week, now playing in the grand final. Uh, I just think, that, again, football is safe face for all the bullshit that we've got going off the field. Yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah, disappointing. Uh, tackle five. I don't think, again, we could have got a better result for the final four teams. No, oh, well, the, the four deserve to be there. And we keep saying, as much as you want to say that the bottom eight, yeah. one of them's eventually going to win. Well, no. Nah. Not happening. Proof in the pudding is that they don't get there. And, and when the, they do get there, they get manhandled like the Cowboys did last year. The matchups we got, the top four sides, rightfully so, are the top four sides. All four of these teams have been premiers in the last five seasons, and there's remnants of players from their premiership season, yeah. so they're conditioned for this time of the year. But to have 1908, you know, established rivals in the Roosters and South playing at Allianz for the last time before they destroy the stadium. Absolutely outstanding. On the flip side of that, you've got two teams that absolutely hate each other. They're the complete opposite of one another and the Sharks and the Storm, who played in a grand final only two years ago, who are coming up against each other to get into another grand final. Yeah, and there's it's two. Perfect. It's perfect. The three legends, should I be saying, but two probably more so in particular, and Billy Slater and Luke Lewis. One of them, it's going to be their last game, and Ryan Hoffman is another 300 gamer. You got Look, you got two grand finals before the grand final. It's awesome. It's two grand finals. Awesome. These are two grand finals. You know, the, the sides that lose will be filthy. They lose this weekend because not only are they out, they lose to a rival. Yeah, 
and I just think the way this whole final series is played out so far, I'm, I'm praying, yeah. hoping, and praying we get two more absolute crackers. Yeah, and then we're going to get a good whatever whatever uh, combination we get, good we're going to get a good grand final. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Tackle six. The last thing I've got here is the Sharks. They have a bit of a hold on Melbourne, somewhat in more recent times, but in Melbourne. Away, a couple of blokes under a cloud and Lewis and Gallon. They reckon Lewis will be fine. Gallon, uh, it's more of a pain issue, not so much something that'll dislocate or whatever. It was an impact issue. Slater's last game in Melbourne. Solomon are back. Chambers back in. I know they've had the hoodoo on them, but surely. I think uh, South are a better team than the Sharks. South couldn't go there and win. Melbourne have got a week off and they've got players in. I can't see Melbourne losing. I'm just looking at it from that situation. I, I, and they've got a better coach. They've dragged him into the, the dirt fight a few times, but this week, the yeah, way that, everything's... That's, that's all Cronulla. Like, if Cronulla are going to win, we know that's the method to their victory. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, bringing up that second game, you've got the Roosters coming in. Napa not playing. Latrell Mitchell obviously suspended, so there's some pressure on that side of things. Tokiaho a couple of weeks ago looked like he's done. He's been named. A lot of people are saying, you know, they don't have the cattle there without those couple of guys and look at their bench. Well, if you look at South's bench, and this was what I was going to bring up, they only use Cameron Murray realistically for big minutes off their bench. Jason Clark gets a small stint. Heimer Hunt they're not using. And Dean Britt they basically didn't try to use the last week. So to me, I still think this is a fairly even game. It's how Roosters forward pack manages, again, the three Burgesses to kick things off and how they manage Damian Cook. And if they can hold that out, Seabold relies on a rotation they've now figured out where Tom plays a long stint, George gets three bursts, and then Cameron Murray obviously contributes in a massive way. But... I think people are reading a little bit too much into the whole bench scenario because South don't really trust their bench anyway. No, they don't. So no, the question Murray, is, like you said, they're really can their forward pack stand up? The Roosters forward pack, and a lot of people are saying they don't have a good forward pack. I disagree. Yeah, like on their day, the Roosters have a very good forward pack, and Jared Rea Hargraves to me found good form at the back end of the year. He's the real litmus test this weekend for me as to how the Roosters forward pack is going to go. If he goes one man army like we've seen him do a couple of times and takes on the Twins He's and have Sam. To. Um, along with Victor Adley and Boyd Court helping all these guys getting on the back of it. Well, they fought out a very close result only recently, mm. um, and the Roosters only just won. I think South, they look fatigued. They've got the Sam Burgess incident. The Roosters have got injuries. They've lost Rattrell. I think it's an even Stevens ball game. I give the edge to the Roosters because of the week off. And but again, it doesn't mean that they're going to win. No, again, and on the flip side of that, that burden still hangs over South, and I, it's affected Sam easily the last two weeks, and it will until something's resolved. So I'll get a result. I think we'll get a result tonight. Well, I hope they do because I don't want to affect the game or I don't want there to be excuses heading into the game. Yeah. But I think people are reading a little bit too much into that. Latrell's a massive loss. He's a huge loss and it hurts their attack. That the week before. Well, they got GI, like South got GI back and the Roosters lose Latrell. So the week before that, people were talking about it. They played off the back foot for 80 minutes and the difference realistically was their yardage work was good. They didn't make many errors, they defended their line stoutly. Denied Sharks a couple opportunities and Cooper Cronk's kicking game. You couldn't have had a better performance kicking off the back foot and the few opportunities they got, they took. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of too much being read into the bench situation. And it, like the trail is huge, but I think it's going to be more of an arm wrestle than people think. And that, that uh, wraps up set of six to kick things off. So before we jump into the review of those two games from the weekend, brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. Do you know what hurts more than your team going down in a nail biter? It is getting slapped with a huge electricity bill and then biting your nails trying to pay it. Take back the power from the electricity companies and generate it yourself. The team at Penrose Solar Center are dedicated to providing you with the highest quality solar energy experience to make you and your family the real big winners. 
contact the team at Penrith Soul Centre today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make it a real winners. www.penrithsolar.com.au. Jake and the boys there, like we've said previously. Uh, a couple of people have jumped on board heading into summer. It's a good idea, that's for sure. Absolutely. Sharks, Panthers, uh, 21-20. Kind of went a little bit through it before, but we'll have a bit better of a look at it now. The slow starts just caught up with them, plain yep. and simple. They haven't been able to fix it all year. It was a game of two halves. Coaches right? didn't make a difference to that situation, changing it, but uh, I don't buy the bullshit. Well, habits are habits. Yeah, I don't buy the bullshit Gus is dishing out. That we had some moments and we had no... You created the problem yourself. You're yep. making it out like they were... Everything. Gypped of their, it. Like, their team on the field is a reflection of their team off the field. Exactly. But they caught themselves out. Their errors, penalties, they had absolutely no composure in the first 20 or so minutes. Their edge defense, as it has been all year, the Sharks made a real purpose to get at Maloney and Kikau. They know Maloney likes to shoot up. That leaves them all in disarray. Kikau crept in a couple of times. Um, they picked up you know, their first try there, or one of their first tries when they got... For feeder, I think, at that gap. He punched his nose through. Nice support on the inside there. They scored off it. They go back there not long after. Moylan gets kick out of bite in. Moylan, uh, sorry, Maloney throws up. He throws a nice short ball. Lewis goes straight through a hole. And then on the other side of it, um, we've seen this before again. We've said it before. Man saw even before his ACL wasn't a great jumper. He's a shorter winger. But Crichton in particular is a real short winger. And they had an advantage with Lee, but in particular for Fecky. Fecky got over Crichton a couple of times. They kicked there. It's a tap back. It's ugly, but... The 18 nil scoreline was justified, and Penrith did not help themselves. They made errors coming out of yardage. Crichton made a couple. Maloney made one when they got the ball back. Same story. They just could not errors, settle down. Penalties, and they got behind on the scoreboard. Yeah. Paul Reed's in defence. Late in the half, obviously, they found that penalty goal and they had some opportunities very, very late. But going into half time, you can't complain when you've completed at 50% that you didn't have possession. They only have themselves to blame for what the Sharks got to do with them early on. Yeah. The Chad Townsend missed goal. Looked like it was going to be a big thing, and there was another try opportunity I can't think of that they kind of messed up. So they probably should have led by more, honestly, heading into halftime. But at 18-2, you're 100% right. They've come out the second half. They're complete opposite and basically played how they should have the first 20. They applied all their pressure. Their forward pack that was absolutely absent the first half started to rip into the Sharks. They started to dominate um, some field position, some territory. They got some opportunities and... They slowly just found their way into the half. Um, they found themselves a try off just an absolute effort played by Nathan Cleary. No one else was chasing that kick. Mm. Valentine Holmes probably should have disposed of it, but thought he would have got the bounce. He didn't. That was a Herculean effort, uh, in all honesty, because things weren't going their way. And as they so usually do off the back of that, they get a little bit of blood in the water. They get a little bit of confidence. They start playing footy. Before you know it, kick out, screaming down that left-hand edge there. Did really, really good to hold that ball back on the inside with bodies around him. Uh, he didn't throw a dumb pass to Dallin, who got in front of him, hit his outside man, won at Blake. Yo with a simple crash over, just isolated Seguiara, one-on-one on the line. And before you know it, they had themselves 20-all. And then Holmes just pushes all in with that short kickoff, like you said. Cover your spots. Uh, that was a massive play. And then Townsend... That was the play of the game. Oh, massive. Play of the game. Townsend under pressure, kicks an early field goal, an ugly one from an awkward spot. And then Penrith... Muffed two chances, realistically, to kick two field goals. Nathan Cleary had all the time in the world to kick his first one. Couldn't get the job done. Then they had a critical moment in the 78th minute, I think, where they had a chance to go for it. Maloney overcalled him on a short side. Got stuck with a football, realised what he'd done instead of laying a line. Mm. Threw it back into Nathan, who's tried to go back to the short side. They dropped the football. And then they've ended up having one last opportunity from 50 out, which was, you know, going to take an absolute miracle. So... As much as the Sharks mismanaged the second half and didn't help their own cause, I thought Penrith, as soon as they went down again one point and got behind the eight ball, went into absolute scramble mode. 
and they couldn't compose themselves for the yeah, last. They five look minutes. like they play, they play footy. They play their best footy when they're twelve points behind. Yeah, and for Cronulla, so you can't keep doing it. You're going to get burned eventually. I still think it's a huge effort by Cronulla because no Lewis, no Gallon for the majority of the second half. It's been a it couple was, of big of weeks. Course. You know that Roosters loss would have hurt, uh, and the big moment, the critical moment, that Bakuya run. They didn't look like they were going to get up the other end of the field. And Bakuya snapped off a run of like 25 metres post-contact and got him a nice quick play level, which got him down the other end. And that Holmes play as well. So at the end of the day, I thought the right team won. I know there's some people speaking the other way, but you don't get away with that all year. And you certainly don't deserve to win a comp or get to a preliminary final off the back of being behind in 16 games like they were this season. And they reeled off eight. So they have a 50-50 ratio of dragging games from the fire. But um, Merrin and a couple of those senior guys to me were absolutely missing. He had one run. In that whole game, Maloney, injuries or not, if he's injured, don't play him. They keep complaining, oh, he's got his neck, he's got this, he's got that. Well, you know that. Yeah. So if you're going to play somebody on that, you know he's going to be targeted, play May or play somebody else if you want someone 100% healthy. Don't complain that he's missing tackles. Go, oh, he got a bad neck, he can't tackle. Mm. Well, that's your fault for fucking playing him. It's not rocket science. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, just some composure from those young forwards. So uh, at the end of the day, I think Yo had a pretty good game. I thought Kikau was all right. And Dallin's carries back from fullback are absolutely outstanding, obviously. If that's going to be a job for him going forward, competing with Edwards, the big thing for both of them, I think, is to develop as a ball player. But next preseason, I have no doubt he'll be throwing his hat in the ring for that, and it depends how Edwards comes back. But they've got a decision to make in that sense. For the Sharks, well, Matt Moylan couldn't have had a better game, and Chad Townsend, I've said it a million times before, I don't rate him in the way that people carry on. Like, oh, you talk, you don't say he's a rep player, but you, he is an NRL half, and he's as safe as steady as you can get. He played really, really well. He kicked well. He supported. He does all the little things every week that he's supposed to do. And he's playing with a 5'8 that's not familiar with that position yet. Nope. He's working into it. He's got a 9 there that's a work in progress, and he's got a 1 there that's only really just hit his straps as a 1. And so. he, like I said, there's no mistake they've been a good side for the last couple of years with him there. He does a very good job of steering the ship. That's he's his job. He's a stable player in that spine. You're not going to, yeah. You don't get flash and all these bits that people go, oh, well, he's not a good football. You don't need the flash. That's well, not his job. Ernest is gone. Yep. Barber's gone. Maloney's gone. gone. There you go. But he is the glue in that spine. Well, that runs, on the weekend, steers the ship. So for a lot of flack, flack uh, that he cops, I don't understand it. But Fafita was very, very good as well. Lewis, before he went off, was outstanding. Playing like last game, obviously, he got a bit more motivation, but knocked over by Dallin. Then he whacked Wunga Blake. He ran that beautiful line early on. He was just involved as he always is. So, um, yeah, like we said before, massive year, I guess, next year for the Panthers moving forward. Decision yeah. on coach, players, etc. Well, there's an article on NRL.com saying that Serrato has been endorsed for 2019. Yeah, so I, st- I still think we've got smoke and mirrors going on with Ivan coach Cleary situation. Ivan Cleary comes and coaches him. So yeah. let's see what happens over the summer. You know what's going to happen. Moving on from that one. South, Dragons, 13-12. Uh, what an absolute cracker of a game again, and what a scrap. But two massive efforts two weeks in a row by St. George last week to Bellin to get through part of that game before he went off and then to come and play again. Frizzell's been playing busted and needled since the origin period. James Graham off the concussion. Widop not playing. Vaughan missing. Uh, they gave a good account of themselves. There's no doubt about that. And I thought uh, first 20 or 15 or 20 or so, it kind of felt like Souths had the upper hand. They had the possession. I think the penalty count was 4 or 5 nil, But they were a bit like they were a couple of weeks leading into the finals. Errors, penalties, no composure. I thought they really tried to play sideways too early without establishing a quick ruck. And that kind of that really, really hurt them. And they just needed to be a bit more patient. And the Dragons, to me, did really, really well to hold on there. They scrambled well regardless of what they got thrown at them. Uh, on their line and their yardage work from Nano McDonald and Pereira in particular who's only been in for a handful of games he was exceptional Yeah. Um, for a shorter bloke as well like we said before they get targeted he was targeted multiple times on kicks I think the only mistake he made 
was one where it did go forward later on in the game for accidental penalty goal. But um, I thought those guys and that forward pack again with Frizzell, etc., uh, leading the way and off the bench. Um, I mean, a couple of blokes and Sims before he went off. But um, yeah, I think back end of the half after all that possession, it slowly started to turn. And even with Reynolds pressure with the kicking game and weight of possession, Benny Hunt had a bit of a mixed half, but he came up with a critical play heading into half time. And similar to what I've said a million times before, that left-hand edge, why it's so dangerous for South Sydney defensively, is not the greatest, and especially their communication. And Sutton and Cody Walker, from memory, were just absolutely caught in no man's land, looking in, both standing flat-footed. Cody Walker was the one who needed to come in, make a tackle on his inside shoulder. Uh, and Benny Hunt just slipped through that gap and scored a nice try. Yeah. And yeah, eight, I think he had a good game. Like the, the last play of the game we're going to talk about. But, yeah. 8-2, yeah. though, after what they'd copped in the first half, I thought that was exceptional. Um, and massive, massive confidence boost. And Well, South had all the ball early, but come away with nothing. Yeah, so, exactly. And that just that one that's, moment. That's, that wins your semifinals. It, not so much scoring points. We need to score when you've got opportunities, but saving points when you're uh, you're under the pump. And like I said, at halftime, I think they would have been a little bit rattled. The Twins had the head clash early. Murray was on earlier than expected. Errors, penalties, they were very tense, overstructured, if anything, and played two sideways. But second half, they come out. Sims gone in the first minute. That's a critical blow straight away for the Dragons. Uh, you know, they stay solid for a bit there. They get a, a penalty goal and get themselves to 10-2. And then South finally get back to what they should be doing, which is punching through the middle of the field. Yeah, Tom punches through the middle of the field. George and Murray, Cam Murray in particular, was exceptional. As soon as they lay a platform, Damien Cook gets out. And that's the whole key to the game. I don't know why they wanted to play so sideways. And Cook ended up finishing with 156 run meters from like 11 runs and a couple offloads. As soon as you lay a line, which they have the forward pack to do, they can tear anyone apart. And that's it's not so much laying a line, it's getting a quick play of the ball. Exactly, but they were just going two sideways after they were like, you know, they weren't laying yeah, a They're quick not playing platform, directly. So. The one the um Adam Reynolds try where he passed the ball that to That was three quick uh, play the balls in a row. Yeah, but it was just playing direct on the back of a yeah. quick play the ball. They're they're playing two sideways at the moment, South. And that was I think Tom and Murray again, who were the two key blokes at getting quick play of the balls, and Cook getting off the back of it twice, and Walker is one of the only ones that we always said last week that Johnson needs to push. Cody Walker's exceptional at pushing with Damian Cook. He was off the back of Cook four or five times and at half breaks, almost clean breaks a few times. Uh, and Adam Reynolds did similar. Almost a mirror try, to be honest, to the one that Benny Hunt kind of set up getting to that space. They got it the same. Two blokes, I think it was Mann who got held up and should have come in on his inside shoulder. And Crichton did well to identify the numbers, get back on inside to Reynolds. and um, Straight after that, the accidental offside, the penalty goal, and here we go. You're at 10-all. It was back and forth for a little bit there. Seven tackles set when Benny Hunt missed that field goal. I, like It's critical that that, and I don't like it just like you do, that leads straight down the other end for a field goal. And yeah, they're going to get rid of it. You shouldn't heard, get punished um, for trying to win a game with seven tackles. That's like, it's I heard a field Graham goal. I this morning on uh, Talking Sport, Big Sports Breakfast, one of the shows, saying, look, he doesn't like it and he's going to be in charge of the rules next year. So like, I'd like to think over the off-season that it's going to get shit-canned. To get punished for trying to win the game. With a field goal. Yeah, well, well, we've been over that as well. I know. So but that, that, you're going to get rid of it. That scenario in particular just blows my mind that if you miss a field goal to win the game... You, yeah, but it's been there forever. Yeah. It's been there for three or four years. And and it's impacted games massively. It's so important to kick the field goal. There was still twists and turns left in it. Straight off the back of that, Frizzell to have the presence of mind on that one-on-one strip and then Cody Walker's brain snap to give the penalty away in front and make it 12-11. Uh, you just thought that that's awesome by Frizzell. That's great play and not smart by Cody Walker. But then straight after it, Cam Murray... As good a one-on-one strip, 
Adam Reynolds, the Iceman, he kicked a great first field goal. The second one, we he... Really, we didn't talk about what gave them the penalty, which was the McInnes pass into... Who was it? That they blew a penalty against... Well, St. Cameron George. Murray again, and this has been a, a topic all week. This is one of the two things I was going to bring up at the end. I thought Murray... Him, sorry, field position to tie it up. Murray made no plus effort. Plus the strip. Murray made no effort to move. And I know they changed that rule in the year, but he, to me, he's in the line of the pass. Everyone else lays down or you try to roll out the ruck. I he's think you up. should be able to pass the ball deliberately into someone who is in the way. He was I in think the way. That, that's, that, should be a, that should be allowed. I shouldn't be allowed to pick the ball up, turn around yeah. 180 and throw the ball and into someone who's not impacting the, dish off the ground. He tried to pass it to someone who was a legitimate receiver. And what I think is bullshit. They go, oh, you got to put, no, you don't, you shouldn't have to pass over the top of him. No. You've had a dominant ruck. No. He didn't win the tackle. He he's didn't get back to He's in an offside position. And then he didn't make the effort to lay down or stay out of the line. He sat up. Even his hands up, I, like they go. Oh, well, in that case, just play on. Well, no, no they're supposed to identify yeah. out of someone, or and you an shouldn't have position. to pass over him. They're saying no. loop it over him. No, Correct. you won the play the ball. You yeah. deserve the reward off the Correct. back of that. He's there because he made an ineffective tackle. Exactly. And if you're going to lay there like he did, hit the deck and go dead marine like a lot of blokes do. Yeah. You can't and if that's sit the up. case, then I, I get it. You know, yep. like if he's deliberately passing to him out of the normal line he of the ball, he didn't make the effort to meet together. Correct. Right? And he's in the line of the past. Should so. have been a penalty to the Dragons. That's, anyone out there has been arguing about that. That's not rocket science to me, that one this yeah. week. There's been a lot of interpretations of it to me. Line of the pass. He tried to pass off the deck. Yeah. Shouldn't have to loop it over the top of him, and he made no effort to lay down. So um, Those field goals from Reynolds, they were exceptional. The first one, dead on. Second one, he had to lift it. He was under great kick pressure. And then late on, obviously, that brain snap that we're kind of talking about. I know from looking at the vision, some people are going, he was right to run it, but... You've taken South into deep territory, 80 minutes. You've got one player left. Surely you play the percentages knowing that golden point in the finals is the whole 10-minute period. You want to take him into deep water. But Benny Hunt, if he was going to run that short side, stuffed it up in two ways. Number one, he didn't kick, and then he didn't hit the back man. The back man was the one who had the space, but even still then, I, I don't think they scored. People are going, oh, there's open space. The winger was coming up, and the fullback in the replay is tying over. So technically, they're going to throw on two, and I'm sure there's going to be inside pressure scrambling. The most likely result, and is it possible? Yes is I think Jai Field is quick enough to try and cut back infield and not draw and pass and get to the fullback, but we'll never know. So I think in two ways, Ben Hunt stuffed that up. If he was going to run it, he didn't hit the back man. And, you know, if you're on a million dollars a year, I'm not one of these guys going to lay the boot in like everyone else is, but that needed to be kicked and just get the golden point. You cannot give Adam Reynolds, who's probably the best exponent or close to, along with Cooper Cronk, I think, of the field goal, another opportunity in yeah, that it's game. It's one that got away for uh, the Dragons. Yeah. They just spoiled South for the majority of the night, and they laid the blueprint for the Roosters. And the Roosters have the best defensive record in the competition, so um, I'd expect them to handle what South ran at the Dragons. So unless South have got another ace up their sleeve, I, I thought that they would. I, I thought Seabold would change it up a little and have something different. Um, but in two knockout, well, not two knockout games, but in two semi-final games. I haven't seen a whole lot different to what they ran out during the season. So I just think they've got to play real simple in yardage, roll forward, play on the back of a quick play of the ball with Damian Cook and play direct. And I think the thing we all know, finals, they've kind of let the ruck go a little bit. The Roosters will push the boundaries. They will get after Damian Cook. They'll lay on the Burgess. They'll lay on Murray. They'll make sure that they're trying to play from slow rucks. Um, I think that's, like you said, that's going to be the big key they're going to go for in conclusion with this one, though. From the start of the season to the way it finished, um, Benny Hunt, first half of the year, exceptional. Got a bit mixed on the back end, but that moment, obviously another one in well, the finals. Well, the pass went to the wrong person to start yeah. with. 
So the pass went to Debellum. It should have just gone to Hunt, and he should have just pumped it downfield. Once it landed in the hands of Hunt, um, he should have hit the sweep runner. Yeah. He shouldn't have hit man. Like, they had an overlap there, or he should have thrown a cutout. So, I don't know. It was, yeah, there was two cock-ups there. Yeah. Three cock-ups. In first one, is McInnes passing the ball. Even McInnes goes, fuck, what? We're going to run a play. It's last tackle. Get out, yeah. bang. Boot it down the field. Like, someone's got to take control and be the, the smarter person on the field there. Yeah. And I think moving forward, like you said, uh, Frizzell was great in this game. Look, Lomax accounted himself well. Nene Pereira, the whole pack. They, they, they put a good team effort in. Yeah. Given the circumstances. But next year, like you said, it's about the spine. We're not recovering. Hunt getting a better connection with him. McInnes, Dufty. Can they get more improvement out of a couple of those fringe players? Will Pereira and Lomax push up in and hang around? Gives them a bit of depth. Is Blake Laurie going to be able to give more off the bench along with Corbin Sims? Because clearly this year, that's what they found out. <laughs> bit yeah. of uh, their bench forwards and their reserves forwards. They need a bit more Well, there. a lot of teams are getting find, found out with their bench. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Benny Hunt, like I said, I know a lot of people like to lay the boot in. I understand on that kind of money, you need to come up with better plays in critical moments. So, not his brightest moment. Came but... up with a few good ones the week before. So, they were cheering the week before they're bargaining this week. So, yep. it comes with wins and losses and that, that sort of pay packet. Tommy Burgess, to me, uh, had a great game. Damien Cook off the back of that. Cameron Murray's been absolutely exceptional. Cameron Murray was the best player on the field. He was, he was massive. 195 metres, couple offloads, 32 tackles, no misses, and that strip. I think he's been better than Sam Burgess for probably the been, last month. He has been better. He's been their best player, like you said. And no, I tell you what. A quick play the ball is an art form. He is one of the best at it. He get fucking tiny. So yeah. this this notion that everyone's going to be big and we've all got to be athletes and we've all got to no. be monsters. Well, and he's we've another all got one of these, you know, twelve second hundreds, and we've all got to be able to lift one hundred fifty kilos. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know whether he does any of that or he doesn't, but it doesn't matter. He is he's another. A, he's a he's a natural. Um, he's in probably an old school. Footballer. Here's another one that we picked out like a Victor Radley that does all the little Just stuff right and has worked mongrel. on his game. He's got yep. good footwork. He's got a good dip. He's got a pass in his game. He's got an offload. He's, he's got aggressive. great tackle technique. He's fit. He's aggressive. Victor Radley has all the similar traits. He doesn't have the body, but the tackle technique, the pass, yeah, they're the very offload, similar they have added all the tools to the arsenal, which what you should be doing when you're a full-time footballer coming through a system developing. They're not resting on their laurels. They're not relying on speed or power or one thing in particular. They are well-rounded football players. Yeah. And um, and they'll continue to get better. I, I dare say, and I know they've said it themselves, coming through the grades, and I know he's had all the junior accolades. He's a captain in waiting, as far as I'm concerned. Look, yeah. There's Sutton, and I know that he's been a big long-time person there, and now they've got a couple of long-term servants. They've got Sam, they've got Reynolds, but Cameron Murray will be the face of that team for a long time, I think, and he's the ideal kind of character by the sounds of things as well. So uh, he was huge, cook off the back of him and Tom and Adam Reynolds. Like you could not have executed those three plays any better. Scored all their points, set up that other try in his kicking game again. I thought it was great. Yeah. So there you go. There's your reviews from the games from the weekend. Uh, so we'll jump in now and uh, get into the fan questions box head. And uh, let's get them loaded up on here, shall we? It's a bit slow, the old internet tonight. Here we go. What do we got? The Buckster. Hey, boys, this is quite a broad question, but if you're involved with the admin of the game, what would be the first thing you would do to improve crowd attendance? Personally, I'd like to see a double header every couple of rounds. Better value for money for the fans. Yeah, well, double header or bring back the games before a... Um, yeah. Before, uh, like your flag and your 20s and your ISP. I think we need a national reserve grade. I've said that. Yeah, between the two states. Well, just like everyone a, should have a reserve grade. And the reserve grade comp runs is exactly the same as the first grade. Well, we had 12 this year in the New South Wales Cup. I think Queensland Cup was similar. Why can't they all play each other once? But he'd kill that comp. Yeah, but 23 games 
It'd kill that. It'd kill, sorry, to kill that comp because you wouldn't be delegating those teams to your new towns, to your Norths, to your Mounties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for me, I, I just think we should have a national reserve grade, and the national twenty should have gone nowhere. Should just have three competitions run exactly the same. The draws exactly the same. The, big the venues issue, are exactly the same. The big issue for them is, oh, they're you know they're getting more than they deserve in reserve grade, etc. But reserve grades still aren't playing at games. And if you wanted to lessen... Well, they're not. The reserve grades stayed exactly the same. Yeah, they didn't get any TV time, any more TV time. And the flip side of that is they were talking about the funding or the money they were putting in it. Well, just, again, less TV time, lower the salary caps, do whatever you've got to do to bring the cost of it down. Like, it's not rocket science, yeah. but they're basically taken off the radar. And the other shit. one is is you want people to walk through the gate, then we need better public transport, particularly in Sydney. Uh, the public transport here is fucking terrible. Mm. Um, to get to Allianz, you get off at Central, you've got to walk for half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour to get to um, Allianz, or you've got to jump on a bus. They're all packed and there's not enough buses running. Um, ANZ, you've got to get off at Lidcom, then you've got to get on another train. It's just a there. fuck around. There's nothing. Well, there is. There's just a couple of pubs. It's yeah, better than it what all, it used it to be. It all seems to shut down as soon it's as you certain, get out there. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. It's not like, really if you want to have a night... You can't have a night at the footy. And the difference doesn't exist anymore. We've been to Suncourt. We've been to the MCG. In Melbourne, you can go a million places after. Yeah, Suncourt, you can close. go back up to the Caxton yeah. and everything kicks on. So it's giving you a yeah. reason. Um, even Allianz isn't really in the middle of the city. It's a bit of a pain in the ass to get Still to the after the game. So they're, they're your issues. They're your bigger stadiums. And then cost. Um, I think suburban grounds are better because, you know, if we go to Panthers and we watch a game, we can toddle over to Pan- the Panthers yeah. club afterwards, have a few beers, kick on, away you go. Um, the other thing is like yeah the food and drinks are poor, poorer quality than what you can get at home and they're fucking Expensive. hiked up prices so I'd, I look at it and just go you know what if I've got uh, two or three kids and like my wife can take all the footy she doesn't need footy if, yeah. it, it, I can't see myself taking my kids to the footy until they're older I certainly won't be taking my daughter within I wouldn't think the first six years of her life mm. to a football game because there's nothing there for her. No, and I think I'm, she's not going to sit there and watch a game. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Arguing I'd be that. going going by myself. So I, I don't know. If I had a family, it'd be a cost thing. I'd be going. Well, I can stay here. I'm paying for Foxtel. I can order pizza um, and a few beers, and it costs me a hundred bucks. Whereas if I take my family, it's going to cost me more than that just to walk through the gate. Well, I can give credit to one club in particular, and I know some others might have done some package deals during the year. But the one I saw really pushing was the Warriors. The Warriors did. Yeah, the pay your own, pay your own, own price. But that was only because it was. Mannering 300. I get that, but they did memberships a bit cheaper. They did a lot of stuff this year that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Brought decent crowds in. They have theme days. They seem to put a lot more effort in compared to a lot of clubs to try and get crowds in. I think they did a pretty good job. And private ownership too helps out because and then it's the money's going in their pocket. Yeah. Uh, Skip hops. Any NRL clubs in the world that want the world's biggest human, Paulie Paulie, back, or is he stuck in Super League retirement? Super well, League. The last time I saw him, he looked like he got even bigger, and he would be lucky to play ten minutes in the NRL. So uh, unless he wants to get fit, sign a cheap deal and come do a, a preseason and fight his way back, I think he'd be staying in Super League for the long haul. Yeah. 
Joel Banks, why do the refs differ in interpretation of similar rules? They all train together and get taught together, so why are they different in rulings? Also, do some players have too much influence over the referees? Yes and yes. Uh, look, why? Why are they, their interpretation different? Because they're humans. They're not robots. Um, uh, rightly or wrongly, I do agree that there's some interpretations that are different that frustrates me. Yep. That tells me that there's a lack of transparency and a lack of uh, review and feedback to referees. Well, we've got a lot to of... To bring those interpretations as close as what they possibly can be. We could go to the cows, come home on a lot of things. When, you know, the blockers, when they get run off the ball on the kicks or the escorts... Well, it's going to be either it's allowed or it's fucking not. Different ruck interpretations for some people. The, the play the ball situation, whether they've made an effort. I've seen some of those that I don't agree with. Like, they've all got different interpretations. Probably the one that still sticks out more than anything is the obstruction and the lead runner. And they go, oh, they have these boxes they need to tick, but sometimes they don't come into common sense. And we saw that other week when Melbourne played Penrith. Scott Drinkwater was that far behind the line. They're like, oh, he caught it inside the lead runner's shoulder. Kickout wasn't making the effort to get across. He didn't even get there. And yeah. he wasn't well, impeded that, by the lead runner. But like, it's yeah. just yeah, a few, few blokes on Twitter, Stu Moses and a few of these other fucking Penrith people that just have their eyes painted on and um, are just one-eyed Panther fans said, oh, well, Bellamy didn't bring it up after the game and no one said it in commentary. Well, that doesn't mean it's fucking not wrong. No. Like... It was clearly the wrong call. It was clearly a, a worse call than any that Penrith copped in that game, I thought. Um, and one that just goes back to what you're talking about, about interpretation. Yeah. Like, like that's... And that's that's why it's very difficult to interact on Twitter, for those that interact with us on Twitter, because it's very hard when you look at someone's profile pic and you're into us about something we said about the Sharks and your profile pic is someone of the Sharks. Like, yeah. you can't have a conversation with people... Um, in a non-biased environment when everyone on Twitter is biased and yep. gets offended when you say one thing negative about their team. Yep. Like, I say a million negative things about the Titans. I don't I don't get any Titans fans saying, hey, pull your head in. And again, I, I can happily say why I give Melbourne credit a fair bit of the time. That's a Twitter end, anyway. It, it's been pretty hard to give them much slack given the track record as yeah. of recent times. Uh, so. I, I don't know. But, yeah. It's, it was, yeah, the... Interpretations. Interpretation, They're going to try yeah. and get them as, and make them as black as white as possible. It's not a black and white game. There's no. going to be there's always going to be those grey areas, but you just got to make those areas as small as but possible. There's some of those rules though that could be more defined. Is what we're probably getting at. Yeah. Well, like they sent that try up, no try, and he caught it behind his player, ran around the back of him. He was 15 meters deeper um, than where the player was. The player didn't make contact with anyone. No. Like it was just and then a he shit didn't call. make the effort to get across. It was shit defense because he was just lazy. So. Yeah. In the end of the day, it was just a bit random. He also says here, would you rather try and tackle a Sofa Solomona or Junior Paulo both at full pace? Neither. Yeah, no thanks. I'd right. rather tackle Paulo. He's yeah, a bit well, softer. There you go. Sam Knox, as a coach, how would you address a side like Penrith that at times throughout the year had such poor ball control and discipline? Is there something you can do more than repetition to improve? Yeah, well, you need to stand on the 40 when you're receiving a kick and they would be playing this weekend. So, again... Well, ball control and discipline are just... A team attitude that comes down to the individuals you can harp on it you can do as much video review you can work on catch pass you can drill things home but at the end of the day when they go out in the field it's in their control um, they would have been going over this all year it doesn't matter who's coaching them they would have banged on the same drum let's yeah. get our starts right let's not give away dumb penalties the method it's- to all victory lies in the details of the non-obvious yeah. what is non-obvious what are the things that Control you know, people ignore that just gets overlooked like standing on the 40 like catching balls on the full like Kicking out off a penalty. 
You know, like even again we've not said, giving a seven tackle set away. Control just the controllables. Hold the not football. giving away dumb fucking penalties. Don't throw a stupid pass and yardage. Penrith's like, whole whole issue this year is their discipline. They're they're a top four side that landed outside the top four because they gave away too many leads and played with poor discipline. Yep, it's fixable. Serato can fix it. Yeah, but that is a he's whole. got to be given the reign to do that. And I think from an organisational perspective, Gus has got to stop making excuses for them. Hmm. So you know, and I, I I did hear him. This week, so, you know, how do you teach experience and how do you, you know, they're a young side learning, but that, that's up now. Time's sure. up on that. They've all played, most of them have played um, 50 to 100 first grade games, which means they've had two or three years to learn. Um, a lot of those guys got a sniff in origin this year or that are, are close to origin. Those excuses are now done. Yeah, but discipline, and like I said, comes back to the group. Well, anything outside of a preliminary final uh Appearance next year for Penrith would be a huge failure. Well, that's what I was getting at before. To me, that's boomer bust, but he's asking more about the errors and discipline. To fix that, self-awareness is the best awareness. If you have feedback problems catching the football, holding the pill in a yardage carry like Crichton, two hands on the ball, get to the ground, don't fight too much in But tackles. not even self-awareness. Like the coach needs to be there going, hey, look, this is how we fix it. These are our issues. This is how we fix it. Obviously, they've got to be self-aware enough to go, yeah, I'll take that on board and do it. It would have now identified it. that. That's what I'm getting at multiple times. So well, for yeah. all of them, it's up to the You'd individuals so. to address the issue. That's the big thing. Yeah. Daniel Friend, if you could coach any roster of these last four sides, which one would it be and why? Well, if we're talking moving forward. No, he's talking about to win this call. Well, coaching right now. Given the situation that they're in, I don't want to sound biased. I'd take Melbourne. I'd take Melbourne or the Roosters because probably Melbourne because the other side of the home field advantage is bigger, and the Roosters are missing a key player in yeah Latrell. And I think given the week off, they've got and I think they've got tougher opposition. Their best one to seventeen back. Napa's going to come back probably a little underdone. Does Tokiaho last the game? But then in the grand final, if the if they get everyone back, I'd probably want to be coaching the Roosters or South whoever gets through against Melbourne. I'm with you. If they're healthy, one to seventeen, and if they're South's issue is resolved and the Roosters get Napa back and Tokyo's comes got, out all good. The issue with Melbourne is a seven, I said. Uh, I'm not yeah, complaining with you. If they get through and the Roosters get through and get everyone back on board, I'd I be favourite. I like I want to see Cronk up against his old I side. I do too. So, It'd be huge. But given that side of things, like you said, the home advantage against the team who have a couple of guys under a cloud and the week off getting back to their yeah. best one to 17, right now I'd probably want to be on Melbourne. Yeah. Just because the Roosters this week, given their situation with a couple of blokes out, they may not slip slip through, and Souths have still got a bit of a cloud hanging over him, given the off-field stuff. So, yeah. Uh, what do the Panthers do next year to get over the second week hump? Well, we've gone over that one, so no one to go through that again. Thanks for that one, JDHD. Brad Millen, is Tony Williams the biggest waste of talent this generation has ever seen? Most people counter with Dave Taylor, but for me, Taylor actually achieved something. Williams teased ability, then nothing. Well, they're the two that you've seen make NRL and be a waste of talent. The most common thing in the world is uh, men with wasted talent. Well, I'd still they're, beg to they're differ. They're in every job. They're in every industry. They're in every sport. I'd still beg to differ, though. What did Dave Taylor actually achieve? He didn't win a comp. Tony Williams won a comp. Played Tony Williams played for Australia. He had a one really good year. I think, did Dave Taylor play for Australia? I think he might have. But uh, Tony Williams, <laughs> was it 20, 2011, he was an absolute wrecking ball in that finals run Tell home. Tell you what, they both achieved more in rugby league than what I have as a player. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to get. But like Dave Taylor had a good year any time his contract was up. I can't remember a full year where he dominated from start to finish and was guaranteed rep placements. He went in and out of Queensland teams once or twice. I don't know if he played a cap for Australia. But it was Tony a good year. He played a good end of the year for the Titans. That year that we beat contract you guys year. in the last... Was it? No, I think he'd already re-signed. Might have been his second year at the club. Played really, really well. 
Well, I'd still argue that Tony Williams achieved more. He won a comp. He played Origin. He played for Australia. 2011 was probably his best season. Over his whole career, did he waste? Piss it up the wall? Yep. He's not the first. He's certainly not the last. And this little... Still played first grade. Sk- yeah, I'm not doubting that at all. That's what I'm getting at. But in between him and Dave Taylor, I'd take Tony Williams' career. Oh, he won a comp. Uh, what else we got here? Brad Millen also says on the back of that, have you guys seen or heard from Buzz, the dirty old bird? He's gone into lockdown after that photo of him went viral. Well, no, mate. I haven't heard from Buzz. Neither has Boxhead, but... You know, people throwing these barbs on the old Twitter sphere. Just, we're not interested in it, mate. Unfortunately. Yeah, Twitter beefs are fucking. It's too I much. Can't fucking handle it. It's. Uh, yeah. I don't have enough fucking time to argue with knuckleheads on Twitter. Twitter honestly. is a savage place. That's for sure. It's it's a cesspool. Like mm. blokes just bagging people. You, you, to me, I sort of think, well, I don't say anything on Twitter that I wouldn't say to someone's face. Yep. That's a, that's the rule I've got, and even still, I'm on there rarely. Yep. Fair enough. Tim Strong, what is your opinion on South's quick play the ball tactic? They dive to the ground at times with barely a hand on them, bounce up to play the board with me. just looks like dump and roll touch footy. If they aren't brought to the ground in tackles, it's a penalty. Just well, it's as not bad. if they've been contacted. Well, as soon as you've got a hand on you're on the ground, technically you've been tackled, so they're not breaking any rules there. He says it's just as bad as not playing the ball with a foot. All teams want to find the ground for a quick play of the ball, but Souths run the fine line. We'd like to see the refs play on as no tackle is affected. Or worse, penalised for a voluntary tackle. Love the show. Well, when's the last time you saw a penalty for people a voluntary volunteer, mate? In the, you know the ten or near their end goal all the time. So it's a bit harsh to say that Souths just dive on the ground every time they run the football. And they've got the quickest play the ball speed in the comp. So that, it's the responsibility of the other teams to slum down. On the back side of that, though, and this is like if a, they're flopping onto the ground, then they sh- it should be given a surrender tackle, and teams yeah. should be able to lay on them as long as they want. But they're generally dominating that ruck with a couple of players and finding a front. And on the flip side of this, like a tactic when people whinge about a lot of the Melbourne stuff, if it's a tactic you don't like, all other sixteen clubs are trying to do the exact same thing. So you can't oh, just yeah, point or they're south. trying to stop it. Everyone's trying to get a quick play of the ball. Is what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. So you and can't just say south without anyone trying to do it. The goal they just is got, they're just the best at it. Yeah, exactly. At the moment. So, yep. Cheers, mate. Uh, Point Dexter, you boys still standing by your thought that Cam Smith retired from rep footy to obtain this one-year extension. People still spin the narrative that he quit to avoid losing, but he doesn't strike me as someone who walks away from a challenge. I can't without remember saying that. I didn't say that. I said that at the time, he was looking for a longer deal, and the talk was... He wanted two or three years, and they Fuck, basically I would have given him two years. they said to him that if you want to play two or three more years, we don't want you playing rep football. I didn't say that he, he walked away for only the one year extension. Oh, I think we both definitely agree that the original if you're Melbourne, you don't want him. playing No, rep the original football. talk was he wanted three years, and they said to him, if that was going to happen, you definitely can't play rep football. Mm. Why did he walk away? I don't know. Well, because they'd won. What they'd, else does he need to prove? Yeah, that? that's right. He's got more caps than anyone. He's they won God knows won how many. Won the World Cup. Like he did lose a series during that, so people saying, "Oh, he walked away because he thought they were going to lose." They lost the series throughout yeah, that run. He had a great run. Yeah. Like the whole argument on that's just bullshit. People just don't like Cameron Smith. So I just again, think maybe it was time for him to pay Melbourne back a little bit. And he did. We got to the Origin period undefeated, and without him doing that, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now. So yeah. he's done uh, yeah, you know, yeah. what Melbourne needed or wanted from him. That's for sure. Um, Cam Finlayson. I said this the other week and. I forgot to get back to him, but he sent us a video through yeah. of the New Zealand Warriors uh, saying, what do you blokes think about this? And that initiative I talked about before as far as fan engagement or getting fans to come to the game, they had gold memberships last year for, I think, $400, like reserve seating in the grandstands. And I think their bronze package or their other general seats were about $200. I watched this video here. Next year, they have got a setup where they're offering their fans those $400 memberships for whatever amount of home games. So I'm assuming next year they might have one or two they take elsewhere. So 10 home games at Mount Smart Stadium. 
you can get the best reserve seats, and it's to those fans that had it last year for half the price. So you want to talk about what I said before, fan engagement, getting fans back in the game. $200 for grandstand reserve seats for the whole year is absolutely outstanding. They've cut that price in half. So so what is it? 200 for the season. Cam's saying, what do we think about that? That They're offering $200, and that's grandstand reserve seat. That's yeah. not general admission or just a ticket it's to the game. about 15 bucks a game. That is like sideline, best seats right in the middle yeah. watching the game. So Why wouldn't you get them? And then their bronze ones are even cheaper this year. So if you're paying you know, $120, $109 for a reserve membership, say 20 bucks a game if they've got 10 home games, that's awesome for the remember, best seats. I got some at Penrith. General admin, must have been, stand on the hill. Must have been that game. Um, sorry, the season when they made the preliminary final, when Ivan Ivan's second last year there, um, and I paid two hundred and fifty bucks for for two, and they were on halfway opposite the tunnel. So on day games, the sun was in your face a little bit. You throw a hat on, throw some sunnies yeah. on. We were right on halfway. Me and Pop, I got it. Well, again, like I said, there's one thing: membership. Two fifty. You get your tickets, it was ten bucks a game. Yeah, but reserve seating in that grandstand. That's a great initiative. And again, yeah. even for the other ones in the far grandstands either side that are. If you're even going to go to six games, it's cheaper to buy and exactly. just miss six games. So I just think that's a great initiative. So uh, Cam, so what do you think, that, mate? That's what we're getting at before. You want to get fans back. That's the kind of stuff that all. Well, comes and a good mate of um, good mate of mine is a season ticket holder at Parry. Has been for twenty odd years, and he's saying that the prices for the new stadium. Um, that opens up next year are, are monstrous, monstrous. They've hiked the prices up for that new Parramatta Stadium. So yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see how many better places good footy. Well, yeah, at the moment you you couldn't pay me to go in, even regardless of what the stadium was, to go and watch them play because yeah. they stink. Lincoln Eason says, do you think the NRL should look towards a draft system? Well, I'd love to see the excitement around off-season draft and think we bring more attention to reserves grades that currently doesn't receive. Well, We've, yeah, I'd love to see it. I don't we, know we've gone works. over this a million times, unfortunately, in the past, mate. Uh, it's a restraint of trade, basically. Um, you know, it, it just wouldn't work over here, unfortunately. But I think it would because the AFL do it. Yeah, I know, you but need they to, don't, they're the not attached system, to a club. Get that, but the system, that's right, the system below it is where it becomes difficult. We feed the whole way through, whereas they come from, you know, South Australia and this, or you play in Melbourne, yeah. or you play in your regions. They're not linked to Collingwood and this and that. The only way that generally happens is by legacy picks in the draft, so... They don't have any attachment, whereas now you can't tell a New Zealand kid who's grown up from the war, he's been in the system from 12 years old, if they won the 20s, that he's suddenly now moving all the way to Melbourne, say if they finish last, or going to, uh, you know, like the Titans or somewhere else they don't need to go. So I just think for the way our feeder systems work, it, I'd love to see it happen, but I don't think it'll ever really be a reality for rugby league, unfortunately. Yeah, Luke Billy Williams, I'd love to hear what you guys do best and talk about how good the footy is. I personally found the back half of the year a bit boring for the same reason as what Brock discussed a few weeks back. Being a massive Knights fan and knowing they were out of the race early made it hard to keep up, but I'm loving the finals footy. Also loving the direction and patience the Knights are showing with this rebuild. It's a job worth doing. It is worth doing well, and they seem to be following that philosophy. Cheers. Well, not disagreeing with you there. Um, And again, don't spend frivolously. Don't do anything crazy. They're not in line to win a competition next year. There's no doubt about that. If they got into the eight, if their spine was healthy, that'd be huge, but buy the right players because in the past the reason they got in that hole was for making shit signings or picking up other people's crap contracts or scraps so you know Jesse Ramia next year Moga comes back from an injury they're talking now about Isaac Luke possibly on a one or two year deal whether you disagree or agree with that Slade Griffin's out for the year Levi still got some development Connor Watson more likely to play in another position Luke even if he is injured they're talking about having a bad shoulder with the salary cap space they've got on a short term investment is no risk for them if it fails, he's gone in 12 months or two, you know, a month after that. They've got a lot of cap room. So yeah. just stay patient. You'd rather see your club long-term sustainable success rather than a, a quick turnaround and end up like the Bulldogs or Manly did off the back of, say, what a Des Hasler did. 
with shit contracts back in and then leaving in whole long term. So cheers for the feedback, champion. Luke Smith says, thanks for an awesome show, guys. My favorite footy show both on telly or radio. No BS, just great footy talk every week. Cheers for that, pal. Thanks, mate. He says, two questions. Who would be your pick for Penrith Utility bench spot next year, May or Luai? And if you could bring one ruler next year, what would it be? Uh, I'd love to see the five in the bin interchange. Five in the bin or the interchange come down. Thanks again. Love your work. Well, utility on the bench, I think May is better suited just for the fact that if you lost a middle, he can defend better in the middle. He played a little... I know he comes to your 20s and cup, it's a bit different, but he played lock, so he defended a lot in the middle of the field. May. I don't think Jerome would. Yeah, may. And he can play in the hard. At this point in time, mate, yeah. definitely. And on the flip side, the rule, we've all said that we get rid of the seven tackle set of Yeah, times. I'd bring in the five. five I do like the five bin, minutes in bin. Like yeah, yeah, helps you out probably in those inside 20 penalties we got, that's for sure. Duncan Bridgeford, is there too much made of the AFL crowds versus NF, uh, NRL crowds? Whilst there may be competing codes, they're totally different for me in regards to the game watching on TV. For me, the NRL is perfect TV sport, as you can easily see everything, whereas AFL is more suited to watching at the ground with so much happening. Well, said it a million times, mate, you're not going to find two bigger fans, and I basically watch every game every weekend, even if I have to record them. When I go to the football, I still generally find myself, when I go home and Brock does the same thing, watching the game again. Even the Origins we attended this year. Great games, but you find stuff when you go home and watch it again on TV. And It is sadly a great TV sport. And the one time or a couple of times we went to the AFL, and particularly the Anzac Day, 110,000 people, I found it easier to follow at the ground, like you're saying, because we could see everything. Whereas on TV, they're cutting here, they're in everywhere. You're not seeing runs. You're not seeing blokes getting up like it. It is, yeah, it is a better TV sport. Yeah. So I, I, I don't buy into the whole crowd hype thing. Do I want to see crowds go back? Yes, but I don't buy into the hype as much as everyone does because at the end of the day, advertising in TV dollar is what really drives the game and the TV ratings are there, the money's there. So um, I would like to see better crowds, but uh, yeah, that's where the money's coming from. So... You got anything to add on to that or no. pretty much agree there? Agree. Yep. Daniel Ferguson says, does Channel 9 realise they're shooting themselves in the foot having Gould's bias commentary at the head of their coverage? He alone has pushed me to Fox. Surely they should push back his involvement while he's the Panthers boss. Well, we kind of touched on that before. Yeah, we did. You know, he did a good job the first few years staying a bit neutral, but in particular the last 18 months, he's poured a lot of petrol on the fire and it's getting a bit old. So, yeah, a bit over um, Yeah. Like watching him talk about football and games, but when the narrative is just constantly Penrith and himself and everything that's going around that narrative, it's definitely enough to make you want to change the channel or switch off. And I've even struggled with 100% footy the back half of the year, to be honest, when all the drama kind of kicked off again. It seems every week that there's two or three things where they're just throwing to Gus, and I'm, yeah, I'm sick of that narrative. Paul K, now we know why Sam Burgess has resembled your mate Barry Crocker over the past two weeks. Would you be tempted to drop him for the semi? Definitely not. Who are you putting? Who are you putting in? Yeah, it's, that's the biggest. They problem. can't even use their full bench right now. They dropped Taylor, who played twenty three NRL games. Brick can't stay on the field. No one is even close to Semi Burgess, and even him playing at half capability last week, he made one error. Still had one hundred and seventy five meters and like thirty tackles. Like no one else is making that much of a dent, even with a bit of a cloud over him. So that's that's an absolute zero non negotiable. Also, how do you rate Zach Lomax? I thought he was good on the weekend. Impressed me. He was the only one to check if Campbell Graham was okay after the flip as well instead of getting involved in the handbags. And that was from Paul Cable. Zach Lomax coming through the grades has been a freak. He's played New <clears> South <throat> Wales and Aussie schoolboys twice. He's played up age groups. Uh, I've seen him in real life. We First Harold Matt's game. I think Vaughn, he came to watch us when I was with him the start of the year when we were at Illawarra. Yeah. And after the game, he came out the field. He's as big as Vaughn. He's 18 years old. He's just turned 19. Hmm. The kid's 
a freak. He's a good yeah, footballer. Look, I think he should have played a bit earlier, to be fair. Exactly. This um, year. But to think that he's only just turned 19, he's going to be a hell of a footballer. And he, he ticks a lot of boxes as well. He can play wing, play centre, kicks goals, so he's going to be good. Andrew Wales, are you nervous? The Sharks are coming to get the Storm. Gal will play, and I'd go Ramian over Dugues, but nice problem to have. Well, Ramian, for me, I don't care if he's leaving. He's not out of that side. Him coming back in was a massive inclusion. If Dugan's coming in, it's for Fecky and Lee. And to be honest, with the health and his track record of going down in games or constantly having issues right now, I wouldn't be playing Dugan. I think that was a mistake, and I said from the start, yeah. I think it's. I think the Dugan buy, along with the Moylan one, it's kind of hurt them with Holmes, even though they're saying his partner wants to go home and this and that. But I still think there was questions, obviously, him getting that fullback jersey. Both those boys hurt that. And then Ramian being there, Newcastle popping up. I know there's a bit of a situation where apparently his partner and daughter live more on the Central Coast or up there near Newcastle. But paying Dugan $700,000 to play centre wasn't a smart idea when you've got Jesse Ramian. Well, exactly. So yeah. I think yeah. they've Could cost have kept, themselves kept yeah. one or two of them, partly due to that kind of signing. And how many games has Dugan played this year? How many full seasons he played the last few years? Yeah. I can't pay seven hundred plus thousand dollars for a center of all things, which is now the least valuable position. He's not even playing fullback. And you can't play half the year, basically. So to me right now, Andrew, I wouldn't have been putting Dugan back in. I'd stick with the lineup that won the game last week. Well, it's very yeah, it's very hard. So yeah. Jordan Palmer. And am I nervous? No, well my team's out. Nah, well, I'm not nervous. So I just, you know, see yeah, what happens. Well. We're home game, Billy Slater's last home game, see what happens. Jordan Palmer, is the best. Is this the best final series we've had in the modern era? Uh, it's been the best in a very long time. It's been pretty bloody good, that's for sure. Shane Cook, greatest field goal exponent in the game right now. Well, I said it before. Reynolds is right up there, but I think Cooper Cronk would come pretty close between those two. Smith can pot one too. He's had a couple. Probably not the as... The one he kicked against the Roosters this year was a cracker. Yeah, probably not as often, but I'd probably go between Cronk and uh, Reynolds. Joel Braddock. Well, I'd say Cronk. Like, yeah. Well, he's, he's done it for a long record. period of time, yeah. Joel Bradica, thoughts on Danny Levi? Boys, Ben Isaac Luke might be on his way to Knights. I see Levi as the future looker for the Knights in a few years. Could learn a lot from Luke. Well, the big thing as well about this is the last couple of years, it's been Levi's learning, Levi's learning. He's young. He did get put in early. They have had a fairly young side, but at some point he needs to take a leap forward. So if he's coming now, how does he handle this situation? Because you're techni- te- technically telling him that he's going to be waiting until he's almost 24 now to take that job. Yeah. So he needs a big off-season. I do like Danny Levi. He's been more of a runner. He probably didn't develop his game as a ball player or utilizing the players around him in the under-20s because he was so dominant uh, at doing that part of the game, which is the detriment of that competition. They probably should have played him in New South Wales Cup earlier, but he has to learn to utilize those around him, create more deception and be a better ball player. Yep. Uh, What have we got here? Logan Brazolera says, is Sam Burgess allowed to play in the finals because he's a big-name player? Well, we addressed this earlier. There's no conclusion yet, so how can well, you... Well, they're saying now that she's refusing to be interviewed. If she's refusing to be interviewed, then well, she's... I don't know how they get a conclusion. You can't do anything if she's not willing to come back. Yeah. So she's throwing a he's hand throwing grenade. a stick of dynamite and... Yeah, and now she's not willing to come back to comment. So if that... that's the case, then he, oh, for me... It lends more you weight. You just need to go off what's there, what, what they've been shown, and make a decision based on that. But... Well, I can't draw a bow to it, but to me, that draws more of a conclusion that it was more consensual, and she's throwing the stick of dynamite out there and... Now that it's kind of all blowing up, she's not willing to come forward. So maybe she got an answer to. Well, I don't. She got the answer she didn't. She didn't want. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but if you're not willing to come forward to me, why it's, not? It's yeah, why? It's possibly, you know, refusing to be interviewed. Why? Well, is it consensual? Did you throw it out there thinking you'd get something, and now it's all kind of blown? Yeah, like, yeah. who knows? So who knows? you can't draw any lines. We don't you, know. You don't know. 
The last one here, Johnny Ash Cable. Ivan be coaching the Tigers in 2019. Well, mate, your guess is as good as ours at yeah, the moment. So knows. no one can really judge on that side of things. Uh, before we get into our gossip and tips, Brock, we're getting close to the back end of the year. It's a tight tipping comp, that's for sure. The P and Boltmaster. They are your complete fastening system supply with their main office located at Penrith, covering more than 1,500 square metres and a second branch at Seven Hills with 300 square metres of warehouse. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. But there's a lot more than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, safety and cleaning products, paints and general hardware items. They're right up there. They can give you all your needs. They also provide... Total need source packages for tradesmen like myself with construction, engineering, and all associated industry segments. Tools, bits and bobs, all your bits and pieces. Nepean and Boltmaster, get on the was and the boys there. www.nepbolt.com.au. In the gossip bag this week, mate, there wasn't a whole lot. Basically, no, well, it's not that time of year, is it? What he said before and what most people know, Isaac Luke, that's said to be a done deal for two years. I don't have a big problem with it, given their situation in the cap space. Um, I like it. If it boosts the spine up, if his shoulder stays healthy, if he plays some good football, he's a handy signing. If not, they're not making a long-term commitment. Slade Griffin's knee injury was horrific. He's not going to be back. Connor Watson, is he going to go into nine? I doubt it. Levi still needs to develop, so this is a decent choice at the moment to get over. And if he does get injured and things don't pan out next year, well, then, again, they've still got a lot of space, so it's not going to burn them for a long time. Yeah, it's know. worth the risk, that's for sure. The other one is exactly what we spoke about earlier. Apparently, Penrith have already offered a deal to Ivan Cleary to sign for 2021 to put some pressure on the Tigers. We obviously know that Nath is now recommitted to 2023. So mm. we've gone through that early on. How that all plays out, uh, you've said they should probably – push him to stay there if he's a real professional he get the job done I'd feel that if that's the situation and he's not willing to commit to the Tigers long term I'd be putting the gun to Penrith's head and saying if you want him right now you can take him I'd be ringing Michael Maguire but I'd be asking for a hefty bloody reward if we're going to let him go mm. I wouldn't be letting the Panthers off scot free that's for sure because it's a big blow like you said for players you've recruited especially in the younger age groups because they've been pretty active at getting some kids over because of Ivan Cleary yeah. um, that you'd need to shore things up with players cash and a coach coming in mm-hmm. But, again, yet to be seen what happens uh, on the back of that. But our tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, best bet for them last week, another winner. They had second half high-scoring half in the South Dragons game, so that takes them to 11 of 15 for the season. So very good strike right there. Keep following those affiliate links. They've got a sign-up link at the moment with Ladbrokes. I think it was $250 matched first deposit. So 250 you get 250 back. 500 to play with. Not a bad deal, Boxhead. Absolutely. So if you don't have a Labrokes account, look out for that one. They'll have their best bet for the NRL again this weekend. And if you like the NFL, like me and Boxhead do, they've got their tips package for that. We've posted that a few times. Get on board. And uh, they've got a best bet for the NFL. So you had any punting on the NFL so far? You had any wins? Yeah, no. I lost a bit of money this week. It's been a bit awkward the first two weeks, isn't oh, it? Oh, sorry, sorry. Tell a lie. I backed Kansas City to beat Pittsburgh. They were three bucks. And I backed Tampa Bay to beat Philly. They were three bucks. But... I had a couple of unlucky multis go down. Well, I had a multi. Um, what did I have? I had uh, Oakland with the start, that one. I had uh, Rams minus a start, that one. And then I had Carolina plus six, and they lost yeah. by seven to Atlanta. That's um, on the burn, mate. So. I took the start on Carolina, and I had a couple other legs, including KC. And to be fair, Carolina should have got beat more, by more than that. The scoreline flooded Carolina. Yeah. They were down by 21 at one point. But yeah, the boys in the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're giving you on all levels. Best bets for the NRL, best bets for the NFL, and that will continue once the NRL finishes. Uh, if you're looking for a best bet of the week there, they had a pretty good year last year. On the NFL package, it was almost 30% profit for the year. 
So again, say if it was a thousand dollars outlay, you got an extra three hundred on top of it. So not a bad return. Yeah. Big thanks to Matt and the boys there. Keep your eyes out for those affiliate links uh, and obviously the NFL package and those best bets. Um, tips boxhead. Two games and last week, me and you both got two. Gossip got one, so we're all square again. Me and Gossip are both on one eleven. You're on one oh nine, and we've only got three games left. Oh, two away. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I need at- an upset this week. Something needs to happen, but uh, I pegged that one back on Gossip last week. So we're heading into uh, deep territory here. But the Melbourne Storm versus the Cronulla Sharks this Friday. Melbourne, obviously, basically the best 17 they can field now. We've got Will Chambers back in the centres. So Curtis Scott, I'm assuming, will move back to the left side. He's been playing on the right where Chambers usually plays because uh, he's more than actually a right centre. Uh, Brody Koff maintains that spot in the seven jersey. No surprise there. Joe Stimson holds the back row spot. But on the bench... Nelson Asafa Solomona comes back, and Ryan Hoffman, who was rested for the first finals game, gets his spot back on the bench. There you go. So that means Brandon Smith and Cassiano are the two to miss out. Would you have played one of those two before Ryan Hoffman, even though he's probably only going to play a ten to fifteen minute minute role, or you'd rather yeah. his experience? Well, we don't know who's going to play, really, do we? Hoffman, Smith, potentially, but I think he'll leave Hoffman. But I'm just saying for you, would you have played one of those two over him? I don't. I wouldn't have played Cassiano. He hasn't done enough for me Not this year. Not Cassiano. No. Brandon Smith brings... Smith, yeah, well, because he gives you that versatility. But, but again, between Smith Kenny, Welch and Nelson, if you get an injury, Hoffman can go and play back row. He can play tight. He can do a couple of jobs for you. And he's yeah. a veteran, so I get that. For the Sharks, they've named the same team 1-17, to but obviously Dugan is in the reserves there. And apparently Joseph Paulo is the cover player for Paul Gallon if he's not good to go, so... Uh, for me, I said it before, Dugan doesn't replace anyone that back line for me. I mean, he has to be dead set 100% knocking the door down. But Ramian and Latelli stay. Fecky and Lee to me have been really good as well. So I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't find a spot for him back in my team. No. And from the players on the bench between Arva, Siamana Funai and Joseph Paulo, if Gallon was out, again, take it or leave which one goes out. You'd assume that if he goes that... You know, possibly Pryor pushes to 13 and Woods goes in the start, but then that affects your bench rotation in the minutes you play there. So that's probably the bigger issue for me if Gallon goes out. You probably lose Woods off the bench who comes on and plays big minutes. So um, this one, I'm tipping Melbourne. Um, again, I know Luke Lewis, it's his last, potentially his last game as well. There's a lot to play for, but a couple of guys under a cloud. They've had the hoodoo on Melbourne, but honestly... Melbourne could not have more things here to play for. They're playing for a grand final after a season of rolling through halfbacks, lost a couple of internationals. Billy Slater's last ever game in Melbourne. Uh, they've failed in a couple of milestone games this year. Full strength side back in Melbourne. Uh, I have to go with Melbourne. Melbourne. If they don't win, I'd be absolutely Agreed. filthy to be I want to be on Melbourne, yeah. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees. He's also on Melbourne. And the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, I will get up if the internet... Helps us out a little bit here. <laughs> Hasn't been a good day with the internet so far. But come on. Clean sweep. Melbourne are a dollar thirty six favourite with the Pro Sports Syndicate. The Sharks three twenty five. The line in that one is minus eight and a half. So, what do you reckon if you had to gauge this one? One to twelve. Scrap. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd just back either side 1 to 12. I think you'll win. Yep, and preview on this probably a little bit more. I think the real keys for this one, obviously, you know what Melbourne are going to be trying to do. Melbourne are going to be trying to win that ruck, slow things down, good kick pressure as far as an edge or trying to play to somebody. I guarantee you, obviously, Moylan's going to be the target that they're going for. Penrith tried to do it last week. A lot of teams have tried to do it, so that's their right-hand edge. 
Felice Cafusi. We know Billy Slater loves sweeping to that side of the field. They're really going to put a lot of pressure on Matt Moore than I'd assume inside 20. Yeah. And the players around him are very important to help out there. Uh, Billy can run. He can hit Felice Short. He can go back to Will Chambers. Sullivan of others on that side. So I'd expect that to be the real target area. On the flip side of that for the Sharks, they've done a real good job messing with Melbourne's middles. They've done a real good job frustrating them, killing the ruck. They kick pressure the halves. Brody Croft, no doubt, will end up on his ass a couple of times. Kevin Smith will be harassed out of dummy half. They get stuck in in the back three. They're going to try and make it as ugly as possible. And the big thing for them, I guess, is you know Moylan playing like he did last week, defending well, taking ownership on that left-hand edge. He got over to the right, link, linking up. Valentine Holmes getting involved in that game. Like They showed last week that they had enough out of their halves to get them through a game and then they got a couple of big moments out of Luke Lewis and out of a guy like Andrew Fafita who's a real game breaker and needs to have a big game this weekend as well so yeah, agree. Uh, we're agree. all in the storm there but the second game the Roosters versus South Sydney the lineups for this one we obviously know that Napa's got one more week to serve so he's not available Latrell Mitchell out means Mitchell Orbison plays on that centre position he'll be marked up against Dane Gagai so you know he's pretty solid and he'll do a job there he's obviously no Latrell Mitchell on attack nobody is so that does hurt there. Um, but the forward pack, Tokiaho was the one that had question marks coming into this game, but he's been named to play. The bench, Lindsay Collins, Zane Tedavano, Nat Butcher, and Ryan Madison. I think you'll see minutes out of Madison and Tedavano. Collins will probably get a small stint, and Butcher will be lucky too. But again, when people said before about the bench, Heimel Hunt is literally there if someone gets injured in the back line. And Dean Britt, he basically used for three minutes or something and the week before. He didn't use him at all. So they're realistically relying on Cameron Murray to play a big stint. They roll Joel John two or three times, and Jason Clark gets one little stint. Yeah. So the real key here is can Jared Rhea Hargraves, Tokyo, Cordner, Leo, and Radley hold off that early onslaught that we've talked about, those two big periods in the first 20 of each half, and they have the three Burgesses coming at you, and stop that play of the ball to not allow Cook to get going. That's the key for me. If they hold the middle, if they make it ugly, you know they can defend inside 20. That can they slow that momentum and win field position? Because against the Sharks, they didn't win field position, the Roosters, but they defended their line and they kicked well out of trouble. And you know they have good set starts. Blake Ferguson, Tupo, mm. Tedesco, etc. They set start very well. But I think the main thing is control in the middle of the field. Yeah, I think for the Roosters, their back three have got to be squeaky clean. They're, uh, they're prone to errors in some games. And when they make errors, they tend to make them in big um, gluts. They can't afford to have that. On the flip side of that, they, they get fantastic meterage out of that back three. So if they can roll forward, get South on the back foot um, and get the Roosters out of trouble, I think that's going to alleviate some of the problems that the Roosters have got in terms of their middles. Like they're struggling in the forwards, as we know, with some injuries and guys out. Uh, for me, it's just going to be red areas. Who can score more points with their chances in red areas? Uh, I think penalty goals may play a part in this because we know the Roosters will... Uh, Roosters will just give away penalties well, when they're under pressure. That's the other thing. South will probably do the same thing. So goal kicking, I think, will have a big impact on this match. Who's kicking for the Roosters? Yeah, and I, I just think, um, I honestly think 18, if someone can get to 19 points, it'll be enough to win, win this. 18, 18, 19 points, I think. Yeah, I think, I assume that Tokiaho, again, would have been pushed to play because he is a goal kicker. Um, who kicks if he doesn't kick? That's what I mean. I think I've seen Joey Manu kick before, but not full time. Uh, I don't know if Luke Keery or anyone else. Blake Ferguson done some kicking, but again, these guys are all part-time, so I hope they've been doing some practice. They would have had to have been with their week off, knowing that Latrell was out. Mm. Um, but that, that is a big question mark you've got there. I think as far as target areas go, 
I don't really think the Roosters have showed a particular area or an edge that you could get to this year. I guess your target would usually be Kiri because he's a smaller body. The Roosters' but the middle has been their middle. Is where you can get after, yes. I, if I'm the South, I'm just fucking pummeling them through the middle. Exactly. And I think on the flip side of that, I've spoken about it a million times before, why that left side is very dangerous with the ball for South, uh, that is their right edge defensively, uh, right-hand attack for the Roosters. You can't undersell Joe, Joey Manu. Joey Manu is very dangerous. If they get out there, if Kiri gets on a nice little sweet line, they get Tedesco and they work down that right edge, it's been shown before that they can be brought undone, in particular Sutton and Cody Walker. Yeah. So I think that is the area that they'll be looking for, like you said, if they get into good ball. Um, but I expect that to be a cracker and a low-scoring game. I expect both to be low-scoring games. Yeah, uh, you, you're now going to see why these teams are top four sides. Yeah. Because they, they will just get in an arm wrestle and it'll be a bend and break. Uh, bend but don't break. Type game, I think. You tip for this one, Boxhead? Well, who are you boys got? I well, need to go the opposite. We're both on the Roosters. I'll go south. So, looking I need for to a peg point. One back. Me and Gossip will not be deciding the score, obviously, this week until the grand final by the looks of things. But well, if I get that one up, I'm back. I'm within one of You're within guys. one, and then grand final, you can make a play. I will. And see what happens. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Sydney Roosters are $1.74 favourites. So, I think there's some value there if you like South, and I know a lot of people do. Two fifteen about the Rabbitohs, minus two and a half is the line there. Boxhead. I'd take the plus on Souths. Yeah, you like the plus. Comfortably, yeah, like a dollar ninety two. If you're gonna give me you're gonna give me two and a half points, I think it could be we've seen a lot of games, a lot of field goal two point games. So mm. you know, they could be, get beat by two or a field goal and you still get your cash. So uh, and then I'd just be going under in the uh, probably going over in the line to be fair. I think it'll be well it depends what what is the over under? Is they they got a line there yet? If it's if it's thirty six I'd go under. If it's 32, I'd go over. just depends on what the over-unders is. But they don't usually put it up until the, the day of the game. So um, it'll be total points markets. What have we got? Oh, what's that? There you go. First half total. Total match. Yeah, there's not one. What's the, what's the first half? Is seven and, and a half. half. So they're saying that it's going to be 35. So... I was going to say before... Based on that, I'd be going under. If you were willing to give me 36 and a half, I'd say under. That's basically yeah, that's what I just said. Be, If yeah. it's 36 and a half, go under. If yeah. it's 34 and a half, I'd probably leave it. Yeah. If it's 36 and a half for both games, I like under. Especially in Melbourne on a Friday. I, I just... I If it's if it's a 50-50, I tend to bet over because I, and then I'm just cheering points. I don't really care who wins uh, and cheering for a close result. So. Charity bet. What are, you, what are you thinking? You got anything you like? What did we, what, did we get one on last week? I went Cody Walker to try uh, score a try and South to win. He, could we go? We could we go both games to be one to twelve? Like just either team to win one to twelve. It'd be like a dollar ninety one both ways, wouldn't yeah, it? I'd well, just go again, either teams, either team, both games to be one to twelve. We'd, we'd get about close to three dollars for that, I think. So I'm with that. I, I like where you're thinking. So that's what we'll go. That's what I'd. Hopefully, we can get a win. We've had a. Lean spell for a couple of weeks, unfortunately. But big thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate again. Look out for those affiliate links. They'll be posted up this week. A best bet for one of those NRL games and an NFL bet. Uh, in the lower grades, just a quick little run through there. New South Wales Cup, Jets and Dogs. So Sharky's very happy at the moment. They've got some really good kids coming through. They're through the grand final against the Dogs side. Uh, they won last week against the Dragons by two. And the Jets upset. The Panthers, who had won 13 in a row, massive effort by them. But some really good Sharks kids in there. Flanagan, who you've seen earlier in the year. Will Kennedy, the fullbacks, absolute lightning. Britton Nakora, the back rower, junior Kiwi last year. 
he's potentially one of the guys looking to take that job that Luke Lewis had. They're very confident in a lot of these kids they've got. Uh, in that one, Boxhead, given what you've seen, uh, the dogs have got the NRL upside. Yeah, I'd bet I'd, for all he's out, but isn't he? He got injured. He broke like his that. foot. So yeah. I, I'm going to go the upset. I reckon the Jets. Yeah, I, I watched I'll, the Jets I'll last the Jets. week. They've got I'll some really good kids and a couple of veterans. Queensland Cup, it's the minor premiers versus I haven't seen a minute of the, the sixth place Cup. side, uh, which is Melbourne's feeder East. And Whose feeder is in the GF? It's Brisbane Melbourne. versus Brisbane. Melbourne. So, so you've got Scott Drinkwater, Pat Cafusi, who made the team of the year. So they finished six. They finished six yeah, because know, Melbourne split, split their players between them and the sunny coast, but the majority of guys that were up and down during the year are now all back. So Cassiano, etc., they're all allowed to play for East. I think they'll win it. I'm going to go the upset again there with you. Redcliffe have been great all year, but uh, they've been on a run. Why not? And apparently they've got a bit of a hoodoo. They've lost like four grand finals in the last decade. Good, I, hope East. They, I hope they lose again. So they're trying to break it. East Tigers, hey? Yeah. Who have they got in their side? East Tigers, yeah. well, besides the Melbourne players. Uh, I'm trying to think now. There was two oh, of I don't know. Who's, who's the favourite, you're saying? Who finished first? Oh, Redcliffe. Redcliffe was minor Who's in their side? Oh, well, Brisbane players. So think yeah. about guys that weren't playing great. So top Apachak. Uh, okay, that's sort yeah. of dudes. Yeah, right. I'll Couple go. I'll go the Melbourne side. I'll there is a greatest. Uh, go the Tigers. There you go. Uh, we got the under twenties up there. One v two ended up panning out that way. So the North Devils, who are Brisbane's under twenties feeder, they found their way through. And the Northern Pride, who finished first, they had to go the long way, but they found their way back in. They knocked off the Cowboys' other feeder, the Blackhawks. Last week, so in that one, I've got zero idea because I've seen under twenties this year. I got zero idea in any of it. Yep, and the under twenties, the flag. There was two really close games last week. Newcastle lost with twenty seconds left to the Panthers, and the Canberra feeder side lost by two points to the Sharks. I'm going to give the Sharks the win in this one, and the only reason why is I don't know about the NRL side, and I hope they lose, but I think they may get a win in the New South Wales Cup and the under twenties, and they've got some good kids coming through. There you go. So. There you go. Just some of the lower grade stuff there. Box, thanks for another week. Done. Thanks to everybody for your questions out there. And just one thing I've got to bring up. I stopped doing it earlier in the year, but if you listen to us on iTunes, it takes two seconds. If you love the show, give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. If you've got any feedback for us, feel free anytime in inboxes or do whatever, but jump on the iTunes, give us a five-star, write us a review, boost up the show. That'd be nice. Share us on the socials. We've got to be quiet and remind people about that. But if you love the show, get us out there. Yeah, people say, "Oh, you guys should be on Fox League, or, or you guys or should get a bigger." Well, to get to get there and to get a bigger platform, we need guys pushing our bang the drum. Give us the five star ratings, write reviews, give us feedback if you're not happy with things. We're always willing to take criticism on board. Get on the Twitter, plug the show, Facebook, tell your friends, do whatever you got to do. Yep, help us out here. And a big thanks to everybody out there. Like I said, as always, for your questions. Two massive games this weekend. Who's going to be in the grand final? All I know is this final series has been outstanding. We couldn't have a more appropriate Final Four. We've got two scintillating, mouth-watering, watering clashes, and what a weekend of football it's going to be. Yeah, bring it on. There you go. No game companion this weekend? No, we're busy. I'm, I'm on the Gold Coast for a wedding on um, on Friday night. Tim, so, Timmy Weird, who listens, um, and his lovely wife, Jeff, so they'll be getting married, and he's signed me up to be the MC of the evening, so that'll be interesting. I still um, like your idea. I reckon we do a grand final companion after. Yeah, I think that's what we'll do. That's probably, you know, if it's, if it's your, a good game. Uh, your partner's birthday on Saturday night, yep, so, so we're going to be uh, out having a couple of sherbies for that. And probably one that we need to mention, um, Chris Hobbs. Uh, yeah. Brothers legend, a teacher of both of us from St. Dom's um, and Brothers Rugby League Club passed away 
last weekend. So we want to pass on, obviously, condolences to everyone who was close and loved Hobbsy like we did. Um, he touched both of us in good ways and bad ways. He gave me a few kick, a few kick up the asses in my time, but also a good, good guy just to have a chat with and be a mentor, as yep. a, both as a coach and a teacher and as well, a, just a person. I think life, more so. in general as a person, I haven't seen anyone probably more involved with people after school yep. uh, in their lives. I saw a, a bloke from my year the other day post up that he rang him the other week when he had surgery in hospital. Yeah, he, well, he rang me, he rang me like, when my daughter was born, only recently. So. Yeah, and I, I know for yeah. a fact that he still does that with many, many former students. He goes above and beyond. He was well-known throughout the Penrith region, but I'm telling you right now, from anyone out there, they would say the person in general, more importantly than anything. Yeah, uh, the football and all that thing. She was just a really, really good, fella. genuine bloke and he cared more about everyone else than himself. Yeah. Um, you couldn't give higher praise so in that gone, situation. Gone too soon, but uh, he touched a lot of people. It could be the biggest funeral in Penrith history. Yeah, there'll be a lot of people there. There will be a shitload of and people there. And rightfully so. Ex-dummies, boys, so, men, so. and ex-brothers. There's going to be a hell of an attendance, I'd say. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, tough tough one to finish on. But, yeah, just wanted to get that out there. And um, for anyone, who, there might maybe people listening that he has touched wider than the Penrith community. That wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me at all, but who may not know. So, uh, yeah, sad, but... Um, gone but not forgotten Hobbsy most definitely not rest in peace Hobbsy and to everybody out there enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where, what, 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 what's going on here is that it is that it Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.